It's time to accelerate. Hi, I'm your host, Andy Paul. Join me as I host conversations with the leading experts in sales, marketing, sales automation, sales process, leadership, management, training, coaching, any resource that I believe to help you accelerate the growth of your sales, your business, and most importantly, you. Hello, and welcome to Accelerate. My guest on the show today is Jack Malcolm, president of the Falcon Performance Group, and also an author of two books, Bottom Line Selling and Strategic Sales Presentations. He's a speaker, sales thought leader, and trainer, as well as author of a new ebook we're going to talk about today. Jack, welcome to the show. Thank you, Andy. It's great to be on. Well, it's nice to have you back on the show. You were one of my early, early guests when I first started the podcast. So maybe for people who didn't listen to that episode, take a minute, introduce yourself, tell us how you got your start in sales. I got started in sales completely by accident. I was a banker in the early 80s, and I did that because I wanted to have absolutely nothing to do with sales at all, because I was a very <laughs> introverted person. That's <laughs> not, not, not uncommon story, by the way. That's true. Unfortunately, about three months into my banking career, Congress totally deregulated the banking industry, and I was thrown out on the streets and told to go out and bring in customers. Mm-hmm. And I had no clue what I was doing, and I made every mistake in the book, but I gradually got better and better at it. And that was a, the start of my sales career. And about 10 years into my banking career, I actually made a sales call on a company that was a sales training company. And six months later, I went to work for them. Worked for them for five years, and for the last 20 years, I've had my own company doing sales training. Got it. And so one of the things that, that you're focusing on and is, and we talked a little bit about this last time you were on the show, was lean communication, taking some of the, the lean principles and applying it to communications as it applies to sales. So maybe tell us what that means. I mean, how do you apply these lean principles? Maybe what are those principles that you're applying to the communication? Well, let me just tell you a little bit about how lean started, and that will that will describe what it, what it all means. I received a call from one of my clients about a year and a half ago saying that I needed to come in and work with his leadership team. His CEO was very frustrated by the quality of the communication he was getting from senior leadership team. So this was a manufacturing company and Mm -hmm. I decided how can I make the principles that I'm talking about resonate with them. And it struck me that communication is a process just like manufacturing is a process. You take in inputs, you apply work to them through a certain process to produce outputs that a customer values. And the more I thought about that, the more I realized that all the principles of lean thinking, which are about creating more value for customers, taking waste out of the process, all of those can be applied to communication if you think about it properly. Mm-hmm. And hence, hence came lean communication, which is built on the principles of, of lean thinking, but focused on how to add more value to your listeners. Okay. So you have sort of three or four main rules up there. You talk yep. about one is add value. Right. So how are you defining value in this context? Well, let, let me first tell you that, that I actually have four rules, and they're extremely easy to remember. Just remember A, B, C, and D. The A is add value. B is brevity. Do it briefly. C is clarity. Do it clearly. And D is engage in dialogue with your customers so that you can co-create value. Okay. So if you look at it that way, it's actually a, a pretty simple way to understand yeah, it. Yeah, good mnemonic device. So, yeah. so add value. Yeah. Now, 
everybody talks about value in sales. I exactly. think value has is become a cliche. Exactly. So in the context you're using it, what is value? When you say add value through your communications. Value in communications is is very simple. It's effective communication and effective meaning that the the message has to get through. That's one that improves business and or personal outcomes while sustaining the relationship. So it's got to get through, it's got to improve outcomes, and the relationship must be sustained. If you have some combination of those, you're adding value. If you're missing one, you're subtracting value. Hmm. So that's what I'm saying. If you improve outcomes, is there ever a chance that you're not going to sustain the relationship? Absolutely, and and, and you, you really you, you got right to right to the the key issue is sometimes you have to communicate things that the other party doesn't want to hear, but you have to do it for a larger picture. In sales, it might be telling your customer they're doing something wrong or they're making the wrong decision. It might be telling them something that they are proud of is really not the best way that they can be approaching the situation that they face. So there are times that the relationship might have to take a back seat. <clears throat> so improving outcomes has to take has to take precedence. When I show this in my in my presentations and, and my slides, I always have outcomes in bold and relationships in, in regular type, just to show that they're both important, but sometimes outcomes have to have to take precedence. And you sort of address this later on, you have some of your lean keys, and you talk about right. being candid and direct, but draw, draw a distinction between the two. Well, the, the distinction is, is that candid is, is a choice as to whether you say something. And there are times that you can you can speak up, but you're not really going to add value or, or it's not worth the trouble. If my wife says, do you like this dress? And <laughs> I don't like this dress. It's probably not worth my time to be absolutely candid, candid about it right. <laughs> in that case. However, if I see my customer is making a mistake or if, if, my custo- if my customer asks me a direct question about a weakness of my product and I don't answer that directly, I'm not being candid, in which case I'm not adding value. So candor, sometimes if you're not candid, you are actually subtracting value because you're allowing a situation to go on that should not go on, which is actually not improving outcomes, which is actually harming outcomes. So and, can, and, and harming the relationship. And, and harming the relationship. Although a lot of times salespeople take the shortcut and think, well, I won't say anything so that I don't harm the relationship. And in a short run, they're right. But in a long run, the relationship tends to be harmed because the truth eventually comes, comes out. out. Exactly. Yeah. So that's candid. Candid is a choice. And and I think sometimes it's an ethical choice and sometimes it's a strategic cho- choice, but you always have to do the right thing. Directness has to do with how you speak up. I can, I can look at a customer and say, you know, that's absolutely the dumbest thing you ever thought of which is very direct, but is probably not going to be the most effective way to get that message across. I could be very direct and say, have, or very indirect and say, have you thought about this alternative? Mm-hmm. Make it the customer's idea. So in, in that case, I'm being very indirect, but I'm actually being more effective. 
Is there an argument for directness? There is an argument for directness. Directness is important when, if, if you're asked a very specific question, it's best to be direct. And in fact, the general bias of lean communication is directness because it's the shortest distance between two points. Right. Less waste. And less waste. But at the same time, you have to realize that sometimes if you say something so directly that the customer reacts negatively to it, then you're actually introducing waste into the into the process because you may need to figure out how to recover from what you just said. Okay. And at the same point, and really this goes probably into more depth certainly than I could cover in my in my short book, is the whole idea of asking your customer questions and letting them arrive at the conclusions that you want them to arrive at. Right. That the whole spin selling approach is extremely indirect, but very effective. Right. Okay. So that was the A. We're going to do, the, do go through yep. the A, B, C, D. The B is brevity. Don't want to waste the customer's time. So... Another thing you said, it has to clarify their thinking. Yeah, well, uh, and and we're actually talking about two things now. We're talking about brevity and clarity. So mm-hmm. you want me to talk about brevity first? Sure. Okay. Brevity, and that goes back to what you say in your book about return on time invested. If If you think about it, the whole reason a salesperson exists in the sales process from the buyer's point of view is to give them information that they can use to make an effective decision. Now, according to research that everybody has been talking about, the average B2B customer is about 60% of the way through their buying process before they even contact a salesperson. That's because there's so much information available on the internet about your products and services, your customers' products and services, that why waste the time talking to a salesperson if you can just do a few keystrokes and look it up on a computer? So customers are all about saving time. Nobody has enough time to do the things that they, they want to do nowadays. If I want to add value, I need to improve their return not only on their time, but to re- improve their return on effort. Brevity is about the time. Clarity is about effort to understand what I'm trying to get across. Well, the thing with brevity, like I said, misspoken earlier, is, is that you as the speaker... Being forced to be brief forces you to clarify your thinking in terms yes. of what is what is the message you're delivering. A- absolutely right. I, I find when I write a blog, for example, if I, I can write a thousand words on a blog really easily, but then when I'm told, no, you need to get that down to 500 words, just trying to figure out what's going to fit into that 500 words helps me to say what's important, what's not important here, and clarify what my key message is. So what I teach salespeople to do is the best way to be brief is there, there's really two tools in, in lean communication. The first one is top-down communication, or what I call the bottom line up front. Mm-hmm. And a, a lot of salespeople will go into a a sales call and not get to the point right away. They, they'll, they'll almost feel like they have to keep it a secret from the customer why they're there. Well, they're worried about being too direct. Uh, they're worried about being too direct, but or they're too worried. Candid. Yeah, well, they are, but that, think of it this way: you're you're a customer. You're you're sitting at your desk, and somebody knocks on your door and says, "Can I see you for a minute?" Whether it's a salesperson or whether it's somebody that works in in your company, the minute that that person walks in the door, your guard goes up, right? Yeah, you you're saying, "What's in it yeah, for me?" What? Well, not only what's in it for me, but what do you want from me? Mm-hmm. So I, I say that really the 
the key question on anybody's mind is, what do you want and why should I do it? Now, every second that the salesperson puts off answering either the what or the why, that suspicion continues to stay and maybe even grow in a customer's mind while they're talking. It's kind of like you're waiting for the other shoe to drop. Yeah, or you're, or you're getting impatient. You're, you're getting impatient. The customers are getting impatient. Exactly. And part of the problem is, is that when they don't know where you're going, even if they want to help you and agree with what you want, they can't give you an agreement because they don't know what to agree to. So I find that especially dealing with senior level people, if you give them your ask very clearly up front and you give them a headline that says, here's what I'm here's why I'm here today. This is what I'm going to ask at the end of this meeting, assuming that I can provide value to you and I want to provide that value in a form of X. And that X might be, I think I can help you improve revenues, cut costs. I can help improve asset efficiency, help you achieve a certain specific business initiative or goal or something that you have. So if you give them the what and why up front, it helps them organize the incoming information. And it makes for much briefer conversations. Well, and and you reference in your book that um, it really helps helps you get uh, more time with your decision maker. Absolutely. Because they, they know why you're there. And there, there may be times that actually the decision maker will give you less time. And they'll say, sorry, if that's what you're going to ask for today, there's no way you're going to get that. And, and I tell people that is actually the second best thing that can happen to you in that sales call. Mm-hmm. Because if you know that you're not going to get it, then the next obvious question is, why not? You might find out that you're speaking to the wrong person in the organization. You might find out that they have already done something with a competitor or that they've changed their minds and, and gone and invested in a different priority or something like that. So if, you want to, if you're going to lose, you might as well lose early in that process. <laughs> lose early, lose gracefully, and you'll sustain the relationship for the long term. Yeah, when you talk about that, it always calls to mind that famous Mark Twain saying about wanted to write you a short letter, but didn't have time, so I wrote you a long letter. Exactly, exactly. Right. And, so, and it takes a long time sometimes to figure out how to be brief. And of course, that points out the importance of sales call planning, of preparation for what you're going to say, et cetera. Well, I think that you had an interesting way of phrasing it when you talked about, about clarity is, and I hadn't really thought about it, it's almost like a double negative in some regards, some regards but as you say, you make it impossible to be misunderstood. Right. And I, I like the way you said that. So think about that as, from, as a sales rep, if you're out talking to a, a customer and you're trying to get a point across <clears throat> is make it impossible for them to misunderstand what you want. How, how many times... Andy, have, have you, either in your career or with clients you've worked with, have seen business loss and relationships ruined because of misunderstandings between a customer and a salesperson? Oh, gosh, yeah, I've experienced it myself. Yeah, and, and that's because uh, I won't say it's always a salesperson's fault, but it's always a salesperson's responsibility, if you think well, yeah, about it that no, way. Abso- absolutely, yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, I can even think of more recent times, like, you know, after I'd written my first book and I remember my first website and it's like somebody read it and said after we'd, I'd helped write the copy and somebody else had helped me. But uh, my responsibility, as you said, and somebody read it and said, 
yeah, but what do you do? (laughs) (laughs) It's like, okay, well, I guess that didn't work. (laughs) Well, you you know, there's, and I don't go into it in my book because it's too brief, but there's the whole idea of the curse of knowledge. And there's a famous experiment that you, you ask somebody to tap out a song in their head. And it could be a, a simple song mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. Star Spangled Banner or Happy, Happy Birthday, Birthday or something right, like right. that. And, and you have people in the room, and I've done this in my classes, and before, before I have them tap it out, I say, estimate what percentage of people will, will get the song in your head. And most people think, well, 80 or 90% of the people are going to know the song immediately when I do it. Usually you get something like less than 10% of the people actually figure out what the song is. Because you hear it in your head but the other person doesn't. So you think something is absolutely clear, but it doesn't come across that way to your customer. Yeah, that's that's such a key behavior and key habit in sales is this whole assumption, right? Our right. curse of knowledge is like, but really it's an assumption, right? I assume that they have some some knowledge that they understand what I'm talking about. And that that always comes to play when you know use acronyms, you know, in this term, industry terminology and technology terminology mm-hmm. that people just don't get. Yeah, and and the other thing is is words can mean totally different things. When a customer says, "Well, what I'm looking for is quality," what I find is salespeople generally say, "Well, we've got great quality, we've got industry leading quality," blah blah blah. Instead of saying, when you say quality, what specific factors are you looking at? Mm-hmm. How do you measure quality? What measurements are you looking for? So the person might say, well, quality to me is actually making sure that the product is delivered on time in full and on spec. And anything under 90, 90% of that is going to be unacceptable quality to me. See, now you've got a lot more clarity on both sides as to what the expectations are. And then that's when the candor comes in and, and you either say, well, we can meet that. Or if you can't meet it, then you might have to be candid at that point. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. So then the fourth one, the D of the ABCD is dialogue and starts with listening. Yeah. Dialogue is is all about realizing that no matter how well you've prepared for your customer, you're never going to get it all exactly right. So you're going to go in there, you're going to deliver your key message, and they are going to have questions, they're going to have suggestions, they're going to look at it from a slightly different perspective. And the best way to create value with a customer is to create it together. Mm-hmm. And that's where dialogue comes in. That's where listening and what I call just-in-time communication comes in. And just-in-time communication means that I give them that bottom line up front. I maybe give them a little bit of additional detail and then let them pull the rest of the information out of me at the rate that they can support and at the rate that they can understand. And to do that, you really have to be listening and focused, and this is this is is increasingly a problem that we see with with sales reps is that there's you know so much distraction that they have uh, with devices and so on, especially even in in person meetings, right? And people are looking at their phones and watches yeah. and, and the like. Is you can't listen if you're paying attention to those things. You know, the the devices are are the easiest thing to solve. You just put them away before you go into the customer's meeting. What's the hardest thing to solve is that you always have a second conversation distracting you. 
And think about it this way. And you know how many times maybe you've, you've tried to talk to somebody on the telephone and somebody in the same room with you is saying, well, tell them this or what are they saying? Constantly. Right now, constantly. <laughs> and you, you can't listen to two conversations at once. The problem is, is that there's always a second conversation that's going on inside your head while the customer is talking. And the reason is, is that in standard American spoken English, we speak about 125 words a minute, but we're processing words verbally in our brain about four times that speed. So it's it's very easy for other thoughts to enter into our mind while somebody is talking. And the problem is, is we think that we can do both at the same time, but we really can't. We're not multitasking. We're actually dipping in and out of both conversations. And how many times have you started thinking about something and then totally forgotten the half of this or missed the second half of the sentence that the customer just started? Yeah, no, that, that's happened. So that's, that's the key. What I call lean listening is to use that second conversation in your head, not as a distraction, but actually as an aid or even a coach. Use that second conversation to listen for lean. So give us an example. So, for example, when, when I talk about improving outcomes, there are four ways that you can improve outcomes for a customer. You can identify and solve a problem. You can help them take advantage of an opportunity, help them adapt to change, or deal with risk, P-O-C-R, or what I call poker, okay? Mm -hmm. As the customer is talking, you are listening for something that actually fits in one of those slots. Am I hearing a problem, an opportunity, a change, or a risk? So that's one example of how you would listen for lean. So you're listening for value. And to, to give you an example, I, I did a role play with a, a client in Europe, and we took the time after the role play to go back and listen for problems, opportunities, changes, and risk. And there was, there was one spot, and this is probably a, an all-time record, which is why it sticks in my mind. There was about a 30-second spot in the role play where the person playing the part of the customer spoke for about 30 seconds. And as we were listening, we were able to write down seven potential needs, not one of which was picked up by the, the salesperson during the role play. Hmm. And of course, it, that's easy to do when you're sitting back there listening to it on a, on a, on a video rather than while you're in the moment. But if you can train yourself to do that, you can get better and better at it. No, it's a great, a great uh, device, you know, poker, the acronym to use yep. when you're listening. Yeah, I like that a lot for discovery purposes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, very good. Problem, opportunity, change, risk. All right, good. Gosh, I learned something really valuable today. <laughs> so um, going through some of the keys that you had, I, I like some of them that, that were sort of interesting is, oh, we just talked about lean listening. Um, yeah. I, I liked your so what filter because, yep. boy, that resonated with me. And, and maybe explain a little bit what you mean by that, and then I'll tell my story after that. Well, let me, let me explain in the form of a story. I tell people that the best way to double their sales productivity immediately is to take a green magic marker and write the word so what on the palm of their left hand. And as they catch themselves speaking and talking about how great their company is and how many years they've been in business and how many different offices they have and all the assets and everything and and how wonderful the technology is, catch themselves and say, so what? 
because that's what the customer is asking. And years ago, I trained a company called Tektronics where they were Mm -hmm. selling test and measurement equipment to engineers. And one of the folks in the class took me almost literally. He went to a group of engineers at Honeywell Corporation in Boston and said, I'm going to talk to you about my DAS 9200 logic analyzer. But every time you hear a feature out of my mouth, I want all of you to ask me, so what? So he started out by saying it's got a 64-bit record length. And they said, so what? He said, it means that you can capture more information in every test pass. So what? It means you can complete your test faster. So what? Get the product to market faster. So what? More market share, more revenue, at, at which point they couldn't ask so what anymore. And he did this several times he told me later that that was the best sales call he had ever been on (laughs) i love it but that's not the end of the story oh okay go ahead about three days later his competitor from hewlett packard came in and presented to the same group of engineers and guess what happened (laughs) they start saying so what yeah (laughs) yeah she left the room in tears in five minutes and and my moral to the story is that they were actually doing her a favor oh absolutely Because they were at least voicing what's happening in your customer's mind when you're speaking is they're voicing that so what. So if you apply that filter before the words come out of your mouth, then you're going to give the customer just what they need to make the effective buying decision. Yeah, I think we've... we've, We mentioned this earlier about how the word values become a bit of a cliche is... I think we now have to train sales professionals what value is, right? What it means from the perspective of the the customer. Because, yeah, increasingly I hear pitches and other things that are are purely feature-laden, right? Without any sort of benefit or value to it. And we always, I'm sure you came of age at the same time, we talk about features and benefits, right? Right, yep. Can never, never say a feature without a benefit statement attached to it. And that's how I was trained. My first job, we listened to this watched videos of this guy named Lee Deboy, who was an <laughs> old-time sales sales trainer. Sort of, sort of a, seemed like sort of an evangelical preacher to some degree. But yeah, one of the exercises was just what you described, is, is you'd have to do a role play in front of, the, in front of the, the team and if or the people in the training class. And if you stated a feature without an associated benefit statement, then everybody shouted out, so what? Exactly, and and really that. that and I remember ties that to this day. I mean, I, I if I talk in front of a client, I'm I'm still mindful of that. Oh, absolutely. You know, it's some of that old sales training we we laugh at it now, but there there is some value to that. However, the whole purpose of lean communication, and I talk about the pool principle, where the the customer is the one who determines value. So. I'd like to turn that entire process on its head. And what I mean is instead of starting with features and connecting them to benefits, I start with asking and making sure that I understand the customer's needs, where they want to go, what are the outcomes that they want to achieve, and work backwards to the features of my product or service Mm -hmm. that will allow them to get there. Right. And that, so that, that's why it starts with value and it starts with the bottom line up front. Well, one last area I want to talk about before we go into the last segment of the show is a, a great phrase or saying to keep in mind. And you say, you get sent to who you sound like. Right. So why don't you talk about that? <clears throat> when 
When you're talking to people within your customer organization, they're listening through their own so what filter and they care about certain things. And if you go back to the old parable of the six blind men and the elephant, every one of them describe the elephant differently depending on, on which side they happen to run into. So when you are talking, let's say that you, you, you make a cold call or you get introduced to somebody at a senior level and a person says, what does your company do and how can you help me? If you start talking about your product immediately, they're going to say, oh, product. And in their, their brain, they go, I pay people to talk to people like you and they send you to that person. Mm-hmm. Go to purchasing. So, Exactly. Go to purchase. Well, actually, if you're talking about price, go to purchasing. You're talking about product, go to the technical people. If you're talking about solutions and problems that you can solve for me, go to the person who has functional ownership of those those problems. If you're talking about bottom line results for my business, then you're talking to me at at the at the C level. Mm-hmm. And, and it works in, in both directions, too. You shouldn't always think that you always have to be at senior levels. No. Because... Most cases, you shouldn't. Yeah. I've, I've seen salespeople that are very good at connecting it to business value, but then when the customer starts asking them technical questions, they don't know how to answer it, and that can hurt their their ability to... or their credibility as well. So, you've got to be able to to be able to speak at all levels in the organization. The problem is, is most salespeople stay at the lower levels and, and they don't ever take the, the, the effort to learn how to speak at the business levels. Yeah, I, mean, I really think that's a great piece of advice. I mean, it's, it's, you get sent to who you sound like. If you sound like you're a salesperson begging somebody for some time, you're going to get sent to <laughs> somebody at a lower level. That's yeah. assuming you get sent at all. <laughs> if you get sent at all. But if you're confident, if you're confident in the solution that you're providing, if you can talk at the solution level that makes sense to C-level person or VP level or whatever, then, yeah, you get the opportunity to speak to that person. Right. All right. Very good. Jack, now we're going to the last segment of the show where I've got some standard questions I ask all my guests. Now, you've been on the show before, so I, I've had to change up the questions um, so there's no redos. You're, at, at my age, I don't remember what the questions were to begin with, so you <laughs> well, would have been safe. You might, you might want to ask you. But, uh, <laughs> all right, so, so really just sort of, sort of rapid-fire questions for you. So okay. the first one is, is, in your mind, is it easier to teach a technical non-salesperson how to sell or to teach a salesperson how to really understand the product or service they sell? I think it's much easier to teach a technical salesperson how to sell. Most of my career has been dealing with people who either have a, a scientific or a technical background. And if you present sales to them in the right way, they can learn extremely quickly. Oh, I agree. I agree. Not many people so far have given that answer, but yeah. I, I agree 100%. I've I spent a good portion of my career bringing people from engineering and technical support backgrounds into sales and same here by and large they did a great job because they understood because the way you positioned is this is not about selling somebody something they don't need it's about providing a service right i mean it in, in a in a future dialogue i i would love to talk to you about training sales or training engineers how to sell because i i find that to be a a fascinating specialty of mine okay that'd be great all right, so um, next question. If you could change one thing about your business self, what would it be? 
be about 20 years younger and start over. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Again, another unique answer. Very good one. Surprised no one's come up with that one. Would you want to start over in sales? I I would. I I would not have a problem at all with starting over in sales. And what I, I would probably in Knowing what I know now and with the experience that I've, I've had under my belt, I would have gone back and, and gotten at least one of my degrees in some sort of engineering or mm-hmm. technical field and then gone into sales. Yeah, me too. I thought about that. I mean, I spent a lot of time in Silicon Valley and yeah, yeah. Yeah. I was a history yeah. major. I, I was dangerous. So was I. So I was, so was I. <laughs> oh, yeah. So I was dangerous. I sold very complex technical stuff and, you know, large satellite communication systems. I mean, I knew enough to be dangerous, but I rarely, rarely knew as much as my customers about yeah, it. So, exactly. Um, yeah, I always had a... And you know, that's not always a bad thing as long as you're honest enough with yourself to know what your limits are oh, and honest yeah. with your customer. Yeah, I had no problem. I couldn't, yeah. have, I couldn't have fooled them if I'd wanted to, by the way. <laughs> so they were pretty clear about that. Um all right. Other than any of your own books, what's one non-business book that every salesperson should read? Oh. I can't think of one off the top of my head. If, if you could see my office right now, I'm surrounded by about 2,000 books. So, and, they're all, and they're all business books? Oh, no. No, probably... 20% of them are business books. All right. So uh, let, let, me, let me give you one off the top of my sure. head right now. It's called Thinking Fast and Slow by Daniel Kahneman. Great book. Yeah, it's it's an excellent book. It's it's a great way to understand how people make decisions, how people process information. And if if you if you can master that, then you can be very successful in in sales. You don't need the sales books. Yeah, Daniel Kahneman, great book. I refer to him yeah. in my in my books. Um yeah, Nobel Prize winner in economics. So, yep. all right, well, good. Well, Jack, thanks for being on the show. Uh, how can people find out more about you or connect with you? It's jackmalcolm.com. Quite simple. And that's Jack. I think everybody knows how to spell that. Malcolm is M-A-L-C-O-L-M. Excellent. Jack, jackmalcolm.com has got links to my blog, to my books, and to my training. Okay. Well, great. Well, thanks again for being on the show. And remember, friends, make it a part of your daily routine every day to deliberately learn something new to help you accelerate your success. And an easy way to do that is to take a minute and subscribe to this podcast, Accelerate. That way you won't miss any of my conversations with top business experts like my guest today, Jack Malcolm, who shared his expertise about how to accelerate the growth of your business. So thanks for joining me. Until next time, this is Andy Paul. Good selling, everyone. Thanks for listening to the show. If you like what you heard and want to make sure you don't miss any upcoming episodes, please subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or Stitcher.com. For more information about today's guest, visit my website at andypaul.com.